Amen to that, huh? A powerful song. Father, it's, uh, it's really incredible words, but the words have power because they're true. It's true in us, and it's true in what we stand for and what we believe. And God, as a people right now, we just embrace the work that you've done for us, God. Lord, that you're alive today, that you sealed victory for us, and that, Father, we can enjoy new life in you today, Father, not just in eternity, but here and now. Father, bring your hope. God, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for people who all together want to experience your glory. Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving us access. Thank you for invading our lives. Lord, I bless you. I bless the work of your hands, and I bless all that you want to do today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, go ahead and you can be seated with that attitude and that heart right there. It's a powerful song. Glad that you're here today. Uh, on the way in, you were handed the notes. Jake had uh, gone over them for announcements. On the other side is the actual message. And there's some fill in the blanks that we do to help people uh, remember what's being taught. So you may need a pen or a pencil, or if you want to use the online version of the UNotes, uh, that's fine too. And, uh, of course, if you learn best by just listening, we want you to, uh, to do what works for you. Um, before I teach, I've just got these three things that are worthy of uh, talking about. Um, January, for many people, is a time when they uh, look at areas of their lives and they get pretty serious about, like, health. Um, part of that's losing weight or part of that's maybe giving up certain things or starting certain things. I think one of the, um, if, if you're going to make a vow to do something, uh, you can use January as a springboard into it, a slingshot, so to speak. But I think one of the things you should always consider is your spiritual life. Do you want to grow in your spiritual life? Do you want to mature, go deeper, learn more? You're going to be someplace at the end of 2019. Um, make up your mind. Decide what you want and then go for it. And one of the things that we want for you is to find these two things at our church, community and spiritual growth. And so we've put together for the next four weeks an opportunity for you to do that, right? So it's an easy on and it's an easy off. I know that many of you are busy, so I'm not asking for a long-term commitment on, uh, on an extra meeting, but I do think this will be worth your time if you have made a commitment to grow spiritually. We wanna help you do that, and we think a way to take it one step further would be to, involve for the, to be involved for the next four weeks in, um, in what we're calling them as message groups. We're gonna take this message because it's designed as a first-of-the-year message, kind of a jump start to spiritual uh, growth, to, to ordering your life. We just think if we take it for the next four weeks and we, we go beyond just listening to the message, but we participate in it, that there is a, uh, uh, an automatic outgrowth, uh, a spiritual um, a booster shot. I don't know what the right word is there, but an opportunity for you to take it just further. So if you're looking for community, looking for spiritual growth, I want to encourage you, it's going to begin this weekend, uh, commence this week. It'll run for four weeks. The groups uh, will meet at all different times, so we're trying to accommodate everybody's schedule. Some will be in the day, some are in the evening. We've tried to also arrange them to maybe the place that you are in life. If you have children, if you're an empty nester, uh, if you're uh, older single, younger single, uh, young marrieds, wherever. We've tried to come up with all different groups 
in order to accommodate where you might be. You don't have to join a particular one because you fit in that paradigm. You can go to anyone that you want to, but we want to encourage you. Uh, Pastor Terry, who is over connections and over just the idea of community in our church, told me this was last night when I made the announcement, so I don't know if it's done or not, but we had room for 25 more people in groups um, that we could accommodate. Now, if you have not been here and you hear this and you're like, ah, I want to be a part. Is there room for me? We will make room. There's always the opportunity. We'll make room. But I know these two areas we had room in, uh, young singles and young marrieds. Those two groups had not completely filled up yet. And if you'd like to be a part of that, maybe that speaks to where you're at in life, here's what you would do, jfc.org slash events. jfc.org slash events. That's how you can read about the groups and sign up. And if you want to fast track it or maybe you want a little more information, in the foyer, in between services, Pastor Terry will be out there if you're like, who is Pastor Terry? A, he's really big, okay, so you won't miss him, but ask anybody out in the foyer, just say, hey, point me to Terry, Terry can answer any question, help you find uh, a connection in our church. We really do want spiritual growth, and we want you to find community in our church. I feel like it'll be worth your time uh, to be involved in that right there, and as I said, it's just a four-week uh, commitment that we're asking for. Uh, the other thing that uh, I want to uh, announce that I, um, this, is, this is more for me, and it speaks to um, what's coming in the future, 2019 Israel trip uh, is, is coming up. It's going to be November this year. We're moving it at a couple of years, a uh, couple months uh, later, a couple of years, a couple months later, uh, so it's a little bit cooler. Uh, the last few times that we've gone in September, Temperatures down uh, at the Dead Sea, Masada, and Getty uh, have been challenging at a little bit over 100 degrees, um, 105, 106, and that's, that's hard for me. So um, we're accommodating the older people in the church, me, and, um, and <laughs> moving it to a little bit cooler time. I've actually been in October and November uh, a few times. It's just much more temperate and uh, a little bit easier to enjoy those places right there. So here's what we're doing. Uh, if you would like to go to Israel, we have an informational meeting that will have the agenda, what we'll do, all the places that we'll go. Uh, it will have the cost, it will have the dates, and it will have the breakdown of how um, everything's scheduled so that we can make it affordable for you. That will be Saturday, February the 2nd, 5.30. So it's Saturday, 5.30 downstairs uh, in one of the classrooms. It's just, you walk down there and you'll see it'll be all set up. Uh, I'd just like to invite you. If you even are like, I don't know for sure if I want to go, but I'm thinking about it or I'm interested, this is the meeting you want to go to. Um, and I just, I will say this and I'm not selling it. The trip has taken on a life of its own. It is such a good trip that word of mouth now has taken over and literally momentum just is there. I already have people who are trying to bribe me uh, to take deposits to hold spaces. And I've said, no, we can't do it that way. We're fair and we'll do it as a first come, first serve uh, thing. But I know we have a lot that are interested. There's a limited amount of spaces. If you are interested, this is the meeting to go to. Um, and I'd love, love, love to take you to Israel again. If you have not heard me say this, um, just one more time, it's not a vacation. I'm not inviting you on a vacation. There are many other places you could go that's a much better vacation, Hawaii, Australia, someplace like that. This is a spiritual journey. It's to take the Bible that you read and turn it into something that will be so much more in-depth, so much more colorful, so much more clear, there are places along the way when you see the actuality of where your faith began, where it took place, 
what Jesus did. There's just something about it that I can't explain. It has to, uh, it has to be um, experienced, to be understood, and to, uh, to, to be enjoyed to the fullest. So I just want to invite you, uh, February the 2nd, 5.30, downstairs, we'll have that informational meeting. And then the only other thing, Terry asked me if I would just say this, this Wednesday, Mastermind, it's a uh, meeting for people that are in business. I'm speaking at it at 7.30 a.m. here in the sanctuary. And forgive me for the commercials real quick. Uh, I realize they take a lot of time, but sometimes it's just the easiest way to get information out. Okay, enough about that. Let's jump into this. The series is called Built for Purpose. We came up with that as a group. Our leadership got together back in November, and when we were talking about where we wanted to go for 2019, we talked about how important that very first series is for January in order to set a direction to, uh, to set sort of a precedent for what we want to talk about, what we want to see happen. We think that 2019 is our year. We think it's your year. We think it's a year for growth. We think it's a year for God to reveal his glory and to do great things. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. We felt like what the Lord said to us was to adjust your expectations upwards. 2018, listen, I was happy to close the chapter on 2018. 2018, I learned a lot. We did a lot, but 2018 was one of those years. There was, there was death in 2018, discourage, just things that we walked through, changes. And 2019, we just have such hope for what the Lord has, uh, has said. And so this very first uh, uh, message, Built for Purpose, we're talking about you don't exist accidentally. You don't exist casually. God has a purpose for your life. And this is not something that is only for those who are just graduating college and about to discover what they're going to do for the rest of their life. It doesn't matter how old you are or where you are in life. It's always good to have purpose so that when you're living, you're living with excitement. You're, you're getting out of bed not because of an alarm clock, yeah. right? Some of us have trouble with that even. We, we get out of bed because God has something for us that day. So we're taking the built for and then every week adding an idea. Built for last week, the very first message, we talked about the preeminent issue that you were created for, that you were built for. You were built to know God and be known by God. And that, man, if you don't build your life on that as a believer, everything else gets distorted. This week, I'm going to talk about built for generosity. Built for generosity. Let me just say this. The first time you mention generosity, for so many people, that means money because we've been preconditioned to think generosity is, is what you give when it comes to money. I'll just be honest with you. That's a part of generosity, but generosity is a lifestyle. We're supposed to be generous people with our time. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah, I, that was the response I got last night too. Generous with your time. Yeah. Generous with your enthusiasm. Wow! Now see, I could just say amen and you can go. You got it. That's it. The more you cooperate, the shorter the message is. I just want you to know. I just, it's all up to you, man. It is always, yes, look how excited you are. It's like he's the greatest preacher I've ever heard, right? He's going to let us go early. Nope. Um, <laughs> So here, here let, me, let me just begin this way. A few years ago, uh, there were some really smart uh, theologians and a group of churches who got together and asked a question uh, to help churches discern an important issue. How do you measure spiritual growth? Uh, at home, we've got, so the grandkids, when they come over, we bought these cups 
that change color depending on if it's a hot or a cold drink. How many of you know the cups that I... There were straws like that too. If the drink is cold, the straw changes to like a blue color or a red color. And if it's hot, it turns to, to more of a, of a different color. So you can tell the kids love it because it just it changes color, right? But here was my thought. Wouldn't it be great if believers had some kind of way, like you could just look at like, boy, you must be pretty cold spiritually. Look at your color. <laughs> Or you must be really hot, man. Look at you. There's just no way to tell, is there? It's a very subjective issue anyway, because uh, for many of us, we would go, wow, if, if you're really excited about, maybe you act like Pastor John, but this is more personality. And personality can disguise things anyway, you know it? It's really what's going on in the heart. How do you know what's going on in a person's heart? Now, really, we, we don't need to know that in, in and of itself, per se, right? But it is important that, uh, that we are growing spiritually. And so how do you measure? Is it just, is it abstract? Is it, is it ethereal? And it's just kind of like out there in the cosmos. Like, I feel like, how can you measure spiritual growth? I think it's an important issue. So this group of theologians and churches that had gotten together, uh, they came up with what I think is a very simple and I think an accurate way to measure, but I do think it was sort of incomplete and I wanted to add something to it today. So here, here's what they came up with. How do you measure spiritual growth? They used um, Jesus' teaching in Matthew when he has a person walk up to him and say, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which one matters the most? Now, if you were an observant Jew, there were 613 commandments you were supposed to be paying attention to. Yes or no, that's a lot. It would be, I don't... I would ask the Lord, 613, give me two. Just, you know, I, I, I don't, which ones, which ones are the most important? And I think it goes to the heart of the matter. And Jesus really answers in, in this uh, question, here's how you keep all of the commandments. Here's really how you measure how you're doing spiritually. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied without any ambiguity, you must love the Lord your God with, what's that word? All. All. Not part, not some, not at times, not when you feel like it, not when everything's going well, not when it just seems like that's the thing to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. In other words, love God with everything that makes you who you are. You're a mind, a spirit, and a body. Be passionately in love with God, with everything that you are. And then Jesus, he throws this in uh, as a directive. Like he was only asked what's the most important, but Jesus couldn't just give one, so he gives two. The first and greatest commandment is love God with everything. A second is equally important. In other words, the first one's not alone. This one also is at the same level. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And then this, the entire law of all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So here's what he's saying. You can keep all 613 commandments by doing these two things. Love God and love people. So how can we measure how we're doing spiritually? Are we growing? You could measure it this way. Are you growing in love towards God? And are you growing in love towards people? If you can see that happening in your life, you are growing spiritually. So the opposite would have to be true too. If you are not growing in love for God, you're not growing spiritually. 
And uh, the Bible even teaches the way we know we love God is that we love people. You can't say you love God and not love people. You're lying to yourself. Those two things are synonymous, symbiotic. They work together. If you're growing spiritually, you're growing in how passionate you are for God and how much you love people. Now be truthful about it. You don't have to answer out loud how you doing. So most of us will say, I do love God. But people, <laughs> why does he have to put that one in there? <laughs> All right, I think that's great. I think they really stumbled onto something that's it's very profound. I think it's true. I think it just takes the gospel that is very wide, and I think it narrows it down to where we can understand it, the way you can measure how you're doing spiritually. Are you growing in love for God? And are you growing in love for people? But then here's the thing that I want to add to it. Even that, though, how do you know? Is there any outward sign that's, that, that you can look at or that someone could see to know that it's true? And I would just say this. When you love someone, there's external evidence. Coming over here. When you love someone, you're sitting on the front. Do you love her? This, oh, yeah, Wow. Well done, man. See, this is easy. Say yes. When you love someone, there's external evidence. And, ah, Bill, my good friend, please help me out. When you love someone, there's external evidence. Amen. Thank you. It was just that easy. It's that easy. It's that easy. Okay, what's the external evidence? I mean, is love a feeling only? Or is, they a, is there a tangible a uh, thing you can look at that says, wow, look at the growth in love. I think the word is generosity. And I'll prove it. The most familiar scripture that we know in our world today, and especially in the Western church, John 3.16, say it with me, for God so that he is. Just stop. The two things absolutely go together. It doesn't say that God so loved that he said. It says that God so loved that it moved him to be generous. Yes or no? And I, So I think the litmus test on how you're doing spiritually, you're growing in love towards God, you're growing in love towards others, but the way that you can see that is it causes us to be generous. God's love caused him to be generous generous. That's the litmus test. That's the, the, the proof. That's the external. When you love someone, there's external proof. The external proof of growing love is that you're becoming more generous. Now, when I say generous again, most people get stuck on the money thing. And then, and then here's the thing. Uh, we're preconditioned to say things like churches. All they talk about is money. We never go forward. All they want is your money. Wow. That went over really... Whew. Uh, yeah, why is it that there's a reluctance when you talk about general? Why do people put that up? What is it? Has the church abused it so much? Have pastors misused it so much? Is there such? Has there been such a twist on it, and so many stories about it that, that then you're you're not allowed to teach on it? Because that's not the way it should be. And how about this? I won't hold against you what other people that have gone to this church have done to me. Don't hold against me what another pastor might have done to you. 
Fair? Just fair. Let's just go even with each other. Even Stephen. <laughs> You're built for generosity. But I'm not talking simply about your finances. Let me give you the three things that I think spell out generosity in our lives. Again, the way that we can know that we're growing spiritually is in our love for God and love for others. And the external thing that you can look at is just you're becoming more generous. God so loved that he gave. God's love caused him to be generous. So the first one, if you want to fill it in right there, generous, I would just put time. Here's my statement. Write that in there and then... uh, And then hear this statement because I think it might be one of the more important that I can make to you today. Uh, The most finite of all your resources, including money, the most finite of all your resources, including money, is your time. Time is the one that we think we have so much of. We tend to convince ourselves that uh, we've got a lot of time out there. Especially when you're younger, you feel like you have a lot of time. So I turned 55 a little over a week ago, and I I wake up, and man, I'm calling it my double nickel. That's what I'm calling it, right? 55. And it dawns on me, I am far closer to 70 than I am to 20. And that bothers me. And, And not to be like a down or a bummer with it, but... You, you know, you just, I probably lived more in my life than I have left. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm, it doesn't, like, freak me out. It just, here's the reality. When you begin to get a little bit older, you do become more aware of the fact that time is finite. You only have so much of it. But we act like we have so much of it. And the truth of the matter is, What we waste more than any other resource that we've been given is time. Time is the number one thing. If you ask people today, how are you doing, you'll get two answers. Normally, if they're just like going along and not really wanting to go deep, they'll say, I'm fine, but I'm really busy. Busy speaks of time, doesn't it? How much you don't have. The most precious resource that you have, the most finite, the littlest resource that you really have actually in your life is your time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon, uh, not knowing it, penned a number one hit song. God, you guys. (laughs) Come on. All right. For everything, there is a and a what? For every activity under heaven. And then Solomon launches into this. There's a time for this and a time for that. And his point simply is this. Everything has a shelf life. Including your life. Including your relationships. Including the time. All right, here, this is true. We all have the same standard. There are 24 hours in a day. There are seven days in a week. There are 52 weeks in a year. We all have a level playing field when it comes to time But here's the difference. When it comes to you individually, you just don't know how many days you are going to have. So we treat it like it's going to roll out forever and we waste time. Because we think it's a resource that we have in unlimited or at least in great proportions. And I'm going to say this to you one more time. 
I don't mean it to be, to be so, so deadly serious and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but we think there's some big rope that tethers us to this world. And in truth, you hang by a breath that at any point God can go and time will take on a new dimension. This time will stop and eternity will begin. Now there is unlimited, but here there's a shelf life on the time that you have. And I would say that one of the places that God wants us to be generous is with our time. But I would say that one of the areas where most of us are having trouble managing is our time. We end up spending the bulk of our time with people who are not going to be there in the long run. And we give the leftover to the people who are most important in our lives. An example. Uh, I know I'm in control of this more than some of you. So it's not a critique that you need to point out, but there's just a truth to it. Uh, as a pastor, I used to take, Monday was my day off. So, you know, work Tuesday to Friday on office stuff, and then I'd have the weekend and give my all over the weekend, and then I'd take Monday off. But imagine how tired I was on Monday. And so I was spending my day off with the one that I love more than anyone else, and she was getting the leftover of my time. And I made a decision a long time ago that she shouldn't get the worst of me. She should get the best of me. And while I want to give you a great part of me, I want to give her my very best, not what's left over. And that doesn't even bring to attention my children or my grandchildren. And why is it that we end up spending the bulk of our time giving it to people who really don't deserve your best? What is that? Um, I wrote this down. I didn't borrow it from somebody's book. Uh, it, it's not. A, I didn't hear another pastor say it. Uh, I keep journals. I've got an online one um, that's that's on my phone. It works really well because it can convert, um, you know, uh, talk into text. So I can just speak into it while I'm driving or while I'm thinking about something. But I also write because I, I'm a person who, by writing it, I can get my heart out. It's hard for me sometimes to, to, to think the way that I, that I, to the depth that I want to. So when I write it, so when I was thinking about this whole issue of time, I wrote this little, just this little saying of how we should manage our time. And it, it's just a fill in the blank here. Here's the first one. All of them have to do with generosity. The first one is give God the first part of your time. God deserves the best. He deserves the first. That's what he asks for. If he is God, he doesn't deserve seconds, thirds, or leftovers. He's God. He wants first. He never demands first, but he does ask us to put him first. And when you put God first, there's the blessing that you get in your life of making God first. Give God the first part of your time, the first part in your morning, the first part of your week, the first part of, of your month, the first part of your year. When you're setting goals for yourself, you shouldn't set goals to lose weight, to get healthy, to get your finances in order first. Set your first goal. God, I want to give you my life. I want to grow spiritually. And out of that, then the other things need to happen. But how easy is it to start giving our time away to things that are important, but they're not the most important? And most of us write those goals, and we consider God after the fact. 
The pastor reminds us. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, that's right. So give God the first part. How about this? Invest time in those you love. Don't waste time. Don't just spend time. Invest time. Make the investment. Decide who gets your time and who gets the best of you. When it comes to my wife, to my family, my grandchildren, my friends, here's what I know. When it's all said and done, the thousands of people that I know, when it's all said and done, the only ones that will walk away with me will be my wife, will be my children. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I will have relationships, but the ones at the end of my life that will be there, it will be my friends and my family. Shouldn't they get the best of my time? Most of us think, I'll do that then. What you are now is what you'll be then. You've got to make up your mind, man. Give to God, invest with those, and then how about this? Spend time on what's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary to wait in a line. Why? Because it's a fallen world. That's why. There are no lines in heaven, I'm sure about it. Those cartoons you see where they're lined up at the pearly gate, forget about it. You will be the only one, don't worry about it. No more lines. No person trying to cash a check from 52 that their grandmother gave them as you're in the bank. No, don't worry about that. Everyone's given the same parameter, but we're given different amounts and we never tend to realize that time is so finite and the most precious thing that you have is time because what you do with time is developing who you are as a person. Say it one more time. What you do with your time is developing who you are as a person. What you say yes to is developing you. What you say no to is developing you. All of your life is found in the decisions you make according to time. We never realize that. We just look, how did I end up this way? Yeah, John, we choose those things. Give, invest, and spend. Your time is finite. Of all your resources, it may be the most important one. It's the one that decides how things turn out for you, what you're going to be like, what things are going to look like, how it's going to be. And most of us fall into the trap of just wasting our time. We don't order it and it gets wasted. And we just think to ourselves, tell me that you, I just wish I had more. It's the same for everybody. It's the exact same for everybody. Regardless of where you are, what society, what culture, what continent, we all have the same parameter. Some are able to do so much more because they're intentional about their time. One of the things that God wants is you to be generous with your time. So here's just the thought and why I'm talking about time. Because time is so precious and because it's the one thing that we constantly get taxed on, when the pastor stands up and says, God wants your time, most of us just think, I don't have enough time. And That's not the way it's supposed to be. So the message is a conundrum. I can't overcome the thing of how to figure out how to give God time. Yes, you can. Yes, you can do that. You can figure out how to give God the best of your time. Let me just move on. The second one is just your talent. I looked for T's, time, talent. But a better word for talent would have been abilities. So the best way to understand that God wants your talent 
that you were to be generous with your talent. Matthew 25, I used this last week in the message. It just kind of stands out to me as so important. And I want you to see it one more time. It's Jesus talking. It's just two verses. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. So it's just an illustration Jesus is using by the story of a man going on a long trip. He's talking about himself, and he's talking about the people who love him and who are his disciples. This man who's going on a long trip, he called together his servants, his disciples, his followers, and he entrusted his money. Some uh, translations will say talents, and some translations will say treasure, but the real word is abilities. He's going on a long trip, and he's giving his servants abilities or, or, or talents or treasures to do things with while he's gone. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one servant, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their what? Look at me real quick. We're not all equal when it comes to the idea of talent. Some have been given more talent than others. Yes or no? You can look in life and see it to be true. Some have been blessed with so much talent. And instead of wanting their talent, what you should do is discover your talent. We're always looking for the one thing that we think, if I just had that thing, oh, I could do so much better. That's not true. That person's going to have to answer to God for more. The most important thing you could do in the kingdom of God is to discover your talent. But it goes back to the time thing. Most of our time is taking up with so many menial things. We never discover our talent. We never discover our ability. And what most people hear me saying right now is what you do for a living. Your talent and what you do for a living are not necessarily the same thing. Thank God. Think about it. Seldom do they really come together. I know the thing out there is find something you love and do it the rest of your life and you'll never have a job. Sure, and gumdrops fall out of heaven. <laughs> Work is hard. People don't owe you anything and you scratch some time to make it. Wow, there was a big woo. I, I realize, but the truth of the matter is your ability... What, what God's given you as a talent and how you make money, they're not necessarily synonymous. So when I'm saying this, don't think my job is my talent or my ability. Your ability is what God's given you that makes a difference in the kingdom. And the thing we fail at in our church and in the Western church and in the church worldwide is that we see one or two gifts that we admire and we don't realize the body is made up of multiple gifts. And we're missing so much in church because we don't have people activated in their gifts. They come and watch people do their gifts. And they don't activate their gifts. And so they're bored in the kingdom. Can I just tell you, it's a sin to be bored in the kingdom of God. You should never be bored. Don't show up to church because you're looking to punch the ticket to make it to heaven or to have me motivate you to get you to Monday. Come because you've got something to give here. If you're a writer, write. If you're an encourage, encourage. My friend Ed, who sits right over here, Ed has an ability to, he, he knows how to get things built, done, planned with a city. I pulled Ed in, said, Ed, look at my plans. Am I thinking right? Ed said, John, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Not exactly that way. He's very kind. He's very gentle. He's very good. He loves me. But he said, John, 
Come on. You know what that did for you? Oh, it saved you so much pain. You can't believe how much pain that man saved you because his ability was connected in a moment of time. All of us in this room, there are so many abilities and we never find out what they are. The most important thing you could do, discover your talent, your ability, and then be generous with it. Oh my goodness, if you know how to pray. (laughs) Some people just have that gift to pray and some people do not have that gift to pray. I think I have an ADD prayer life because I go to pray and I'm like, what was I? I look at that light. We need to change that light out right there. God, help me find a good deal on light bulbs. That's some people, man, when they pray, there's just a prophetic bent with it. Some people are encouragers. Some people counsel. Some people clean. Some people teach. Some people support. Some people host. Some people build. There's just on and on and on and on so many things. Some people have pleasing personalities. If you don't think that's a gift, marry somebody without one. (laughs) It's a gift. What a gift. People with pleasing personalities can combine that with what they do for a living. That's a powerful one right there. You know, when my kids were little, I wrote out blessings for each one of them. When the twins, uh, at the time, they were two years old. And so with Daniel, my son Daniel, who works here with us, um, I I put in his blessing, you have a pleasing personality. I could see it too. He never met a stranger. He could make people laugh. He just, people just liked to, and I watched it all through elementary and junior high, high school, when he went to college and failed out, when he got into ministry. I watched. Uh... <laughs> he's doing a great extension one right now because he's serious about it but at the time that was not the forte um, he's just got this pleasing personality and those of you who know you just like being around him he's just, he's just, going, he's just easy going and he makes people feel good he's a connector Right, he can he can just go horizontally, whereas his father, I'm I'm just more vertical. So, like you can be around me, but you got to do it my way. <laughs> That's just the way I was made. It's just like you know, right or wrong, I'm very sure. That's <laughs> how I am. Just like that. With he's like, he's just a very great balance to me, and just he's just got that gift. It's a gift that when applied in the kingdom, it makes such a difference. God wants us to be generous with the things that he's given us, with our resource, with, 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 with the idea that, man, look, these three things, your time, your talent, and ultimately, here, here's the last one, your treasure. Your treasure. This one does have to do with money, but not just money. Let me give you the best investment advice, investment advice that you'll ever be getting. By the way, I'm not a, um, I'm not a broker. Uh, I'm not a banker. Um, I can only say this because it's not my advice. <laughs> this is Jesus's advice. And he makes this statement, which I think you should pay attention to. There we go. Uh, <clears throat> don't store up, what's the word? Treasures here on earth where moths eat them Rust destroys them, 
and where thieves can break in and steal them. He could have added where the stock market can go berserk (laughs) and run you up and down. Store treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves are not able to break in and steal. And then he just puts this little thing. Where your treasure is, there the desire, or there your heart will be also. So here's what he's saying. Not where your heart is do you find your treasure. Where you put your treasure, your heart will go. When you make your spiritual life your priority, the idea of generosity is so easy. Let me just say this. Just look real quick. I don't mean it arrogantly. I do not mean it pridefully. I debated to say it, but I think it's worthy of saying the moral authority I have to say this is that I am a generous person. I learned this in my life when I was first a believer. It wasn't a money issue like, God, if you give me this, I will become generous. What you are now is what you will do then. It's a principle. If you are generous now with little, you will be generous if God gives you more. And if you are stingy now, you will be stingy if God gives you more. It's the principle behind it. Learning to be a generous person, to do it gladly, to do it excitedly, to do it enthusiastically, to be generous with the resource that God has given you. What what a delight it is. Now, look, someone's going to look at that and go, oh, pastor, man, don't you, can't you see, pastor, there's a day coming in your life where you're going to have to store up a lot of treasure here on earth in order to be able to get through. I think Jesus would say to you, can't you see there's a day coming in your life when you're going to need treasure in heaven? And we always tend to think here and now, and there is an importance to that, but the overriding importance is heaven. Heaven's your home. Heaven's your destination. Heaven is eternity. Heaven's where you're going to live forever. God keeps great records. Do you know the Bible says all of the kindness that you do for his people, he never forgets. Can you imagine the time when he opens the book on your life and he begins to read the things? I mean, you don't want to be saying, uh, God, there has to be more than three. (laughs) Come on, there there has to be. (laughs) Can I just give you three things that I've learned about generosity? They're personal. Um, I practice these things. I'm not preaching. I'm not hyping. I'm not twisting. By the way, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm not asking for anything. This is not in in like preparation for, for some campaign that I'm about to start. Look, Again, don't put on me what someone else did to you. Let me just teach you, just can you trust me? I've been here 21 years. I'm double nickel. Come on, man. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Three things I've learned about generosity in my life. The first one is just simply this. Do not consume all your seed. It's just a simple principle. Don't consume all your seed. And what that simply means is, whatever you make, don't eat it all. And a lot of what we live with today is not people who simply eat all. They eat all plus live on credit above it. Is that biblical? Second uh, Corinthians, Paul writes, he who supplies, he's speaking of God. God who supplies seed to the sower. You're a sower. 
and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And here's what he's saying. God gives to you, you're a sower. And God gives to you seed in order to sow. And if you will sow seed, he will increase the seed that he gives you. But if you eat all of your seed, you've put a principle in your life that no matter how much God increases you, you eat all you get. So you're always praying more, more, more. But what you do now is what you'll do then. Here's the difference. You'll have a nicer car. And you might have a better house. But what you have in the bank will be the same then as it is You still like me? I'm telling you the truth right now. So how did you... You can learn things two ways. Mentors and mistakes. So this is a mentor telling you his mistakes. I, for years, consumed all of mine. And my favorite prayer was, God, give me more. But I had a principle in my life that no matter how what he... I just ate more. Does that make sense? Uh, we live in an area with very high income and very little wealth. Texas, they call it big hat, no cattle. <laughs> you look good, you drive good, but you don't really have anything because you consume all that you have. And I'm not picking, and maybe you just want me to shut up about it, but the truth of the matter is it is so important because when we're praying for increase and we're praying for God to bless us, what God gives to us, he gives us seed, but he wants us to sow some of the seed. He wants us to sow. He gives seed to the sower. Here's the second one that I learned. Plant the seed you want to harvest. If you are a sower, which means a farmer, and God compares you to that when it comes to seed, no farmer just goes, buys whatever bag of seed and just starts throwing it out. If a farmer wants to grow corn, he has to plant. And if he wants apples, he plants. Okay, so just look at me real quick, man. When I give money, I will write on my check or on my envelope what this seed is for. Sometimes it's for the salvation of a person I've been praying for. I'm telling you something right now that maybe you've never considered. Sometimes it's for health for someone. Sometimes it's for our church to, you know what I'm giving towards right now? I want our church to explode in spiritual growth. I have people right now, I'm showing two different things. I've got 30 some odd people fasting right now for 21 days for you to grow spiritually. Do you know that? They're fasting behind the scenes for you to grow spiritually. This week, they are praying for you all week long while they fast. I'm fasting that seed and giving, man, I'm giving for God to do something great in our church right now. That's what I want to see happen. So plant the seed, plant the harvest that you want. How about this last one? You've got to learn to fight to get the seed in the ground. And that just simply means you can have the best of intentions. You can set aside some of the seed. You can decide what harvest you want. Really get serious about that. But then you've got to know the devil will fight you always for the harvest. Okay, I'm going to come back over here to my right because left will just not get it. <laughs> Look at me. The one thing the enemy will always contest you for is a harvest in your life. Doesn't care if you clap and you get excited. What he doesn't want to have happen is a harvest in your life. He doesn't want you to harvest. 
That's just the bottom line. He'll fight you for the harvest. Don't believe it? The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. They don't understand it like right now. Uh, then the evil one comes, and what does he do? He snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You'll have memory of me teaching this message, but no evidence of anything that ever grew in your life. Do you get that, John? I'll say it. The seed goes out, but if it doesn't get into the ground, it does no good. You can make all the... Here's, here's what I have learned. The enemy, man, here's how he will contend for your harvest. He will loose the devourer in your life. What is the devourer? Stuff starts to break without explanation. Ever, why, why did you chuckle just now? Has the devourer visited your house before? Man, dude, he moved in with us one time. I didn't know it and made a room for him. Hey, come, come on in. He, the Bible, Jesus said this. The thief comes to... The thief comes to... So, come on! The word steal. The thief comes to... And then kill and then destroy. His first method of operation is to steal then to kill, and then to destroy so you can't ever plan again. That's the devourer. In the book of Joel, here's what God himself says. I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. I will give you back double for what's been stolen, eaten, or taken away from you. Then sit here and think I'm silly, and you're inviting a devourer into your life. You know, when people talk about giving, they use that one uh, obscure scripture, Malachi, test me in this, says the Lord, see that you can't outgive me. And then people think if you give a dollar, God gives too. Uh, can I just tell you a different way to think about this? Uh, you know, when we were young um, and, and just, the fir our first job in ministry, our pay was $17,000 a year, no benefits. We had two kids. That's a tough, that was a tough road. And we were grateful. Super grateful to be in that position. So just listen to this real quick. Um, the whole tithing idea, we didn't have much to give, but we got it in our eye. We just, we're going to do this. I, I, don't, I can't ever tell you, you know, God, we gave one and God gave two, but I can tell you, I had a Honda Civic, 1986. And I had to use it for work, for school, for ministry. Chris had to use it for the kids. We had to figure out how to manage that car constantly. And we had $17,000 before taxes. And pastors, by the way, pay all of their Social Security. We're exempt. The church is exempt from collecting it. So pastors pay the full 15% of it. Not seven and a half. So, <laughs> so I'm paying out. I mean, there was just how we made it, only God. That Honda Civic went 250,000 miles before the clutch wore out on that car. Now you can go, oh, Hondas are great cars. <laughs> and you might think, hey, pastor, you know, that's hyperbole. Come on, you're just... Dude, I'm telling you the truth right now. God did it for the children of Israel. For 40 years, their clothes never wore out. He has a way to make the devourer... We had this old Kenmore washer and dryer that someone had given to us. That thing went and went and went. And do you know, it wasn't until I got a first, finally got paid halfway decent, the washer and dryer broke down. <laughs> God had a way to make things. I just don't know how to explain that. But So here, I'll say this and then I'm done because I've taken way too much time. 
That whole thing of getting the seed in the ground, you just got to be faster than the devil. I don't, you, I gave you something really good just now. Look, man, you just got to, you got to do it faster than he can get his hands and steal it. The, the way to beat a thief is to just shut the door. If you get it in the ground, he can't steal it. That makes sense? If you can get it in the ground, he can't steal it from you. And then there's a harvest. God wants us to be generous people, to grow in our love for him and for others. And I think the tangible way to see that is that we become more generous. You know what? I would love for you to be more generous in your enthusiasm. That's what I would love. I would love people to walk into this church and go, they are nuts in there. They are so excited. If we're not going to, who else in the world is going to be excited today? If God's people aren't excited, who do you think is? The people watching the news? Woo-hoo! The people going to school? Just going to work? God's people should be enthusiastic because you are going someplace. You're not going down. You're going up, man. Yep. Amen to that. Lord, I love you and thank you for the opportunity to teach Father, uh, this seed that's given out right here, um, Lord, let there be no confusion, especially this. Folks, I just really feel to say, please do not judge this message by some other abusive thing that you had happen in your life. Let's just take each other at face value. And if this is what the Bible says, let that settle the issue. And if you're like, okay, pastor, I need to check it out. I, I need to pray about it. I need to see. That's, that's great. But don't, don't just leave it there. Come to a point of decision. Come to a place where you go, hey, God, if that's you, I, with my time, God, it's so finite. I want to be generous with it, but God, you've got to help me figure out how to order it the right way. It may require some big changes. It may require some big changes. With your talent, the number one thing you could do, figure out what God's given you. Figure out what's inside of you. Figure out what that ability is and then give it back to the kingdom of God generously. Don't just look around and say, how can I help? Look around and jump in. And with the treasure issue, again, I'm not, I'm not taking an offering. I'm asking you, what do you want to see God do in your life? Because he's looking for partners in a harvest. He's not looking to have you observe him do these things. He gives the seed to the sower. The greatest place you could come to is not just to think, God, give it to me. It's really, you need to become a distributor where he can give it through you. Through you. God, thank you. I bless you and I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to me.